If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the sensuous sounds of infosec where we discuss all things information all things security and all things information security i'm ben maliso and i'm matt snotty i'm rafael fiedler and i'm joey police and gentlemen this week the episode's just gonna be murder man yeah let's get into a true crime why which <laughs> i mean true crime now i will take a page out of the babylon b the nation's preeminent satire publication where they say that uh, as of last week, the number of true crime podcasts exceeds the number of true crimes. <laughs> really? And probably exceeds the number of uh, podcast listeners as well. <laughs> I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. So um, uh, before we get into it, I, I want to just touch on something that we had briefly talked about last week and then connect it to another little nugget of wisdom, and then we'll get to our main course here uh, momentarily. Uh, we had talked about how uh, Roald Dahl's work is being expurgated to make it more uh, appealing to modern audiences. Yep. Uh, evidently, the publishers who who sought to... Uh, engage in this practice, have not learned their lesson from the uh, global pushback on this effort and are now carrying forward the same practice into Agatha Christie's work. Oh, interesting. Did, now, did Agatha Christie write anything that was considered controversial nowadays? Well, I'll give you an example of one of the things they they struck from one of her books because they found it uh, to be potentially offensive. Um in in one in one of Christie's books, one of the characters says about another character that they have such lovely white teeth. Oh my, that's that's racy. That's that's <laughs> to, you know that could be highly and gravely offensive to British people, and I don't know how Agatha Christie got away with it in the first place. Now. Now, I'm not quite sure in a world of, of uh, Twilight and um, Potter verses, but uh, up until a couple of decades ago, Agatha Christie was the best-selling author of all time. So she has got a, a fairly dedicated following, and, and I just find it difficult to imagine that this kind of thing is going to go by um, uncastigated by her uh, faithful troops. Hmm. Uh, but they, it seems like they're spreading this to multiple other authors. And in other publishing-related news, uh, the Internet Archive, you all are familiar with this? Yep. Yeah, they lost, yeah, they lost a lawsuit uh, recently uh, brought against them by those same spate of publishers who are going to go about boulderizing all of our uh, ancient works. Um, the Internet Archive, I was not aware of this, has a lending library. Are you all familiar with this? Okay. Yeah. Oh, Raf, do you know? Okay. Um, do you know how it works? Because I don't. I, I only became aware of it through mm -hmm. this little news piece. 
Don't know for sure, but it, <clears throat> yeah, I heard about it as well. I think they have a physical copy of everything, but they're lending away a digital co- like a digital copy of that physical copy. And as far as I understand, they were giving it away like for free for a week or something. And it was not limited. So typically, if you have something like a library, you need to like you go there, you take one physical item and you take it out. And so nobody else can have it during that time. And I think the issue they had were that many people could have it at the same time. That's correct. But, That's exactly yeah. correct. According to American copyright law, intellectual property protections, um, a library is allowed to exist by uh, getting a copy of a book. They can digitize it and then they can loan out the digitized copy as an ebook version to one person at a time because they have the physical copy supporting that. If they want to loan it out to three people, they need to buy three physical copies. That's the idea. And I think publishers have made that even simpler where you can license the book. You don't have to have a tangible physical copy, but you can license three copies of it, which you can then lend out to three different deadbeats who don't want to pay for books. Um, Now, this is a topic near and dear to mine own heart uh, because I have written a couple of books and that that does demonstrate a minor but drinkable uh, fraction of my total overall annual revenue. Uh, What the Internet Archive was doing is exactly what Rafti said. Um, They did have one physical copy of uh, each book. But during the pandemic, they said, this is a national emergency. And therefore, what we're going to do is we're not going to limit the number of digital copies we make available to our audience. So for the duration of the pandemic, everyone can read for free. And the publishers said, "Uh, no, the fuck you can't. And they sued the Internet Archive. And just last week, they won. Uh, the Internet Archive lost an intellectual property lawsuit and will have to pay some damages. I don't know what those are yet, and I don't know if I'll be getting any because I don't know if any of my books are in the Internet Archive. Uh, I'll probably have to go check after this. But I found that very interesting, and while I kind of think a lot of approaches to intellectual property are draconian and over-encumbered, this one does make sense. Um, uh, I think authors should get some form of restitution for the work they put in. Um, So that was a good thing. Now, to the big deal that we're going to talk about this week. If I was an alien trying to mess with people's head and screw with humanity, I would have a giant famous murder case that involved the names of people with the name Murdoch. Because it's a murder case, <laughs> the murders, and this and this is what occurred in what state was it? Uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. Yep, one of my favorite states. South Carolina. Why is it one of your favorites? What do you, What do you like about it? South Carolina is just awesome. It's a nice southern beach uh, state. We vacation there quite a bit. It's just friendly. Myrtle it's... Beach, Hilton Head, that kind of thing. Yeah, we uh, we 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 vacation in Charleston, which isn't where this happened, but um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic state. I, I, I greatly enjoy it. Great food, great people. Last time I was in South Carolina, I could not buy beer because it was 10 a.m. on a Sunday and they had <laughs> physical locks at the gas station on the beer cooler. Yeah, physical locks, Rafty. Physical locks. And and why? Just like, is there a law? Because it was Sunday. 
Because Sunday is the Lord's Day, Rafti, yeah. and the Lord doesn't want you drinking beer until afternoon. <laughs> no, really? No, this is yeah. the reason? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's a real thing. You, you yes, think I'm Sunday that? morning? You think I could make that up? I'm not funny enough to make that up. <laughs> no. Okay, good. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now, I think they've changed the laws somewhat, but yes, there are many in the U.S., Rafti, there are many what we call blue laws, which are based on uh, Christianity and fundamentalism. There are entire counties that are what's known as dry, where you cannot yep. buy alcohol. Same, yeah, here in Kentucky, we didn't, Lexington didn't get uh, Sunday sales of alcohol until, I want to say about 10 years ago. Uh, used to be, yeah, you couldn't buy buy on Sunday at all. Now, now you can buy it, but not until 1 p.m., I think. I mean, uh, so, so from like 1 know, to 7 in the To evening. give you time to go to church sober, Rob. Right. That's, that's right. what it's there for. <laughs> See, in Austria, we don't. Making, I'm not making this up. <laughs> it sounds weird, but just so you know, to clarify, if you visit Austria ever, like on weekends, um, many places stop, like close shop Saturday afternoon, and they're closed till Monday morning. So like no, no getting groceries on a Sunday at all. Um, so but eat. like. But of course, like if you're, the if Lord you're doesn't a, want you to eat. The Lord wants you to <laughs> fast. No, of course, like restaurants have open and stuff, but and gas stations have open. But I, I never heard of like having certain categories like blocked. This is what weirded me out. Like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. sorry to for this no, tangent here. That's that is a thing. That's it's a it is a thing. Um. Yeah, Blue Laws uh, could so, probably be its own podcast episode just <laughs> in and of itself and how silly that they those those laws are. I would like to explore that because in like in Texas, you can buy beer at the grocery store, but for hard liquor, you have to go to the state-run store. Yeah. Same, yeah, same here in Kentucky. You can only get spirits and wine at a, a dedicated liquor store, uh, but you can get beer at the grocery store, yeah. If you go to the distillery, are they allowed to sell you direct bottles from there? That is an interesting one. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. There are there are actually bourbon distilleries located in dry counties. So the county is itself is dry, and and therefore the the distillery where they make the bourbon they can't. Lynchburg, say. right? Famously, uh, Lynchburg's in Tennessee. Yeah, but yeah, um, but aren't they? They're famously yeah. dry, even though right. that's where Jack Daniels comes from. Right. Right. Yeah. We're getting further from the murder case, but <laughs> let's, let's circle back here really quick. <laughs> so I think we've established motive. People in South Carolina <laughs> have, have a good reason to want to kill someone else. Now, I don't know a lot about this, and I expect Matt, our resident uh, murder and forensics expert, to step us through a lot of it. But from what I understand, uh, what, I can, what I can gather, the Murdoff family in South Carolina is uh, a multi-generational um, uh, paragon of legal prominence. There are, there are a bunch of attorneys that have a lot of power, a lot of money, a lot of influence in South Carolina. And one of their scions, um, Alex Murdaugh, uh, decided to kill his wife and child, Maggie and Paul, respectively. And then he went and did so. And then claimed that somebody else did it and because we're awesome infosec to the rescue for 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 strong justice uh he was proven to have done it by a bunch of nerds who said aha <laughs> and, and yes joey just to cut to the chase just to remove all suspense and intrigue from this episode 
Alex is serving two consecutive life sentences with no possibility for parole, which I think is too good for the bastard. So yes, he 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 quite quite did these things. All right, um, Matt, do you want to give us a? And I know there's so much meat on this bone. Uh, do you want to give us a thumbnail overview of all of the fun and calumny that went along with this uh, bizarre case? Sure. Yeah. So you hit the high the high points of it. So on its face, this is just a a murder case. Uh, a wife and son were murdered, um, and the details of the case are the interesting part because the person who was accused of murdering them was the husband of the wife, uh, Alec Murdoch, as you said, spelled Alex Murdaugh, but it's actually pronounced Alec with like it's like Alec Baldwin. Really? Yeah. Alec. I didn't know that. Okay, then, that's another fantastic wrinkle. I love this. <laughs> And they pronounce it as if there's a K on the end of Murdoch. So they, they, they pronounce it Murdoch, kind of like Murdoch from uh, the A-Team. Oh, so, that's exactly where my <laughs> mind went as soon as you said Murdoch. So Alec Murdoch um, uh, uh, discovered the bodies of his wife and son. They had a big estate, a big hunting estate. Uh, you know, I don't know how many acres, you know, hundreds of acres probably where they would go hunt. Again, as you said, they were. this is a rich family. This is a prominent family. Uh, big fish in a small pond, small town in South Carolina. Uh, he discovers the bodies, uh, calls the police. police At the dog out. kennels on yeah, the property, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, being a hunting uh, property, uh, they had, when we say dog kennels, it's not like one little, you know, shed that, uh, you know, you have your, your beagle in. Um, they actually had dozens, if not hundreds of hunting dogs um, on this huge sprawling uh, estate that they would go, you know, hunt animals. Uh, this was, you know, being proper uh, South Carolinians and proper Southerners, of course, they were big on guns, uh, big on hunting and all of the, the trappings that go along with that. Um so he calls in that uh, his wife and son have been murdered. Police investigate, uh, uh, and Alec immediately becomes uh, person of interest A number one. Which uh, is but, always the case whenever a family member is murdered, especially two family members on family property. Right. I mean, that's just basic. Right. And um, you don't need I, to be a lawyer to know that, which <laughs> Alec was. Right, right. The person who found the bodies on, again, a large estate that not many people can get into. Um, yeah, there, the, there's, there's a lot to that. Um, a little bit of backstory. So Paul, who is the son who was murdered, was involved in a boating accident several years prior that uh, ended up killing one of his friends. So these were all underage teenagers that had taken a boat out to go He party. was 19 at the time of the boating accident, 22 at the time of the murder. Right, right. And um, so as a result of this boat crash, so he was driving the boat drunkenly at something like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. 2, 2 a.m. Okay, 2 a.m. <laughs> Sorry, you're correcting Sorry, I facts. did read up on this, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And he had used his brother, his older brother's ID to purchase alcohol, both right. before and after the event. Right. So I think that there were three couples, uh, boy-girl couples, so six people total that were on the boat. Boat crashes uh, because he's driving drunk. Um, one of the girls is killed as a result of this boating accident. Uh, Paul Murdoch is immediately um, basically taken care of by his family because they're all lawyers. The lawyers descend on the hospital where all these people, all these kids are being taken. Um, and basically he gets the royal treatment. He never has to be prosecuted. He never goes to jail. He never uh, deals with all the things that the rest of us normal people would have to do if we were involved in a drunk boating accident. So lots of people were screaming about that because uh, uh, it's privilege. 
um, you know, obviously, you know, he, get, he he basically didn't have to suffer any consequences of that action. Now, this was years, three years prior to this murder. You you look like you're getting ready to say something. Uh, no, I just, <clears throat> he was under indictment and, and, you know, who knows what the outcome of that whole thing would be. So, uh, right. yeah, it, yeah. He, he definitely did have good protections and good representation, but I, I'm not so sure that he got off completely scot-free, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so... Fast forward to 2021, um, and he's murdered uh, along with his mother. And Alec Murdoch, the dad, um, says that this is a result of that trial because, or or, or th that uh, proceeding, uh, because so, there was so much hatred towards his son uh, because he killed this girl uh, in this boating accident that people wanted to hurt him, and that's why someone came and shot him and his mother. Oh, so this was like supposedly a revenge thing, huh? Right, right, right. Maybe so it was the Hatfields and the McCoys for the, the dead girl, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. yeah, something like uh, along those lines. So that's how he tried to spin it. Uh, the investigation, uh, so, so back to 2021, so the, the, the two were murdered. They started investigating Alec Murdoch, and um, Alec Murdoch is giving uh, all kinds of stories about how, where he was, uh, what he was doing at the time of the murders and that he had just come back to the kennels and happened to find his wife and son on the ground. The um, people who were investigating, of course, one of the things that you investigate in a modern uh, criminal investigation is, oh, let's look at all the devices that people had on them, which includes Alec Murdoch's uh, own cell phone, his wife's cell phone, his son's cell phone, um, and anything else that they can they can glean from any of that. And... and and I think it's it's good to clarify. Um, Alec had made plans to meet with Maggie at the property that evening so that they could go together to visit another member of the family. Right. So th that was his story as to why at least the two of them were going to be present on the property. I'm not quite sure why Paul was there, but yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So. Um... The, uh, the 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 wife Maggie and the son Paul were there um, for other reasons. Alex claimed that he had fallen asleep on the couch. Then he woke up uh, that evening, went on to go visit his uh, mother, I believe, who was who was uh, uh, elderly and was was under home care. And then when he came back from that, um, he went to the kennels, and that's when he discovered the bodies. So that's the backstory of it all. The investigation revealed that. Uh, Alec Murdoch had gone to go visit his mother. Uh, he had he had stated to police that he had been there for something like 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, his cell phone records revealed and his GPS coordinates and cell phone tower pings revealed that he did go there, but he was only there for about 15 or 20 minutes and then turned around and came back to the kennels and was actually on the property at the time that the coroner determined that the bodies had been murdered. The people had been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> they became bodies, I guess. Um, so cell phone records came into play pretty big in this. Um, and all this was presented at the jury trial that occurred earlier this year. About, well, actually, uh, it just wrapped up on March the 2nd. As we record this, it's the end of March. So less than a month ago, uh, this, this jury trial wrapped up. Um, and one of the most compelling pieces of evidence was, you know, the cell phone forensics that showed, yeah, Alec Murdoch was actually there. And then another piece of evidence also came to light during the trial, oh, which was... Before we get to that one, because that one, I'm gonna, <laughs> I love this one. This one's my favorite. Uh, but before we get there, okay, so 
I am no murderer. I am no attorney. But just being a basic American who watches television and movies and shit, if I was going to engage in a murder, I'd leave my cell phone home. <laughs> and depending what year my car was manufactured, I might take my bicycle or a horse. <laughs> And I'm not quite so sure about the horses. I think we'll have to ask Erica, but I think horses now have GPS built into them. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, yep. is that not just the dumb? This guy supposedly knew, you know, stuff. He was a lawyer. Why in the world would he take his cell phone? What was, what was. That what? I don't know. And okay. we, 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 we put a disclaimer at the end of every one of these episodes. This is for entertainment purposes only. We are not advocating anyone to commit, commit crimes. Or no, no, and I'm not trying of, to help out murderers. <laughs> Anti-forensics. It seems like such a basic stupidity but, that it, yeah. it, it almost leads, lends clearance to, uh, credence to his completely stupid uh, alibi and story. Um, <laughs> because who would be that fucking dumb, right? Well, and yeah, another wrinkle to the story is that apparently Alec Murdoch um, had an opi opioid addiction, a drug addiction. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, before we go down that, so, and he was a uh, embezzler, and there's a whole bunch of yeah. other shit we want to get, but just this one thing. Okay, right. so maybe it was his drug-addled mind that made him do something so stupid? Yeah, I think that that okay. argument could certainly be made because, you know, he, he made a, he's obviously made a lot of bad decisions. Whether they were influenced by the drugs or not, he's just not made a good decisions for a lot large part of his adult life <laughs> okay. all right so i'm sorry all right so uh so the next piece of digital evidence the one that just i uh, this one tickles me to no end go for it i, I think that we're th we're talking about the same thing are you talking about the snapchat yes yeah okay <laughs> so uh if you're familiar with social media and you're familiar with the app it's called snapchat um you can record videos i guess i don't use the thing but i, I guess you can upload photos and videos and stuff like that and do they expire or something along those I lines? I think they're supposed to. I thought that was the whole um, selling point of Snapchat. Rafti's nodding. You, I think it's like after a certain period of time, and there, and you can only make short ones. It's not you can't do like a whole two-hour feature film. Rafti, mm -hmm. tell us about Snapchat, please, because you are our token millennial and you know these <laughs> things. <clears throat> I know these things. Okay, so the videos can be longer than uh, what like TikTok initially was. I mean, they are all expanding. In the beginning, I think it was 24 hours, and that was it. They added some features because, of course, like um, at one point, you're like, I'd like to keep that video for longer, even though this uh, defeats the initial purpose. But yes, um, you're right. And another great thing about Snapchat, at least initially for the people, th this was with all the um, like um, AI, or not AI, but those, those um, augmented things that you could put over your face AR, that oh, like the filters. exactly filters yeah stuff like that the snapchat started this and then of course instagram like facebook copied it into, into instagram and then into whatsapp and stuff so the whole stories thing and all of that uh snapchat was the first yeah. okay so apparently... and they expire uh, or they initially they expire okay yeah. Yeah, okay. supposed to. That, 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 but, I don't know what their terms of service actually say. If a video is involved in a murder investigation, it seems that Snapchat will make special dispensation and hold <laughs> on to that video for you. Yep. So Paul, who was the 22-year-old who uh, was murdered, 
Um, apparently, just a few minutes before being murdered, did a Snapchat video um, and was in the kennels. And he was apparently dog sitting for one of his friend's dogs that was staying at the kennel. And so he at had the kennels Snapchat. feeling frisky. <laughs> so apparently he had done a Snapchat video of his friend's dog. Uh, to show his friend that the dog was being cared for, I guess, and, you know, being petted on and loved on and stuff like that. And in the background of the Snapchat video, you can hear none other than the daddy, Alec Murdoch, speaking. Because he's got a very distinctive voice. And this is two hours prior to the time that Alec claimed he discovered the bodies, right? Uh, was it that long? I, I thought I think so. Minutes. I think so. I think the murders were at about 8 p.m. and he claimed to have found them at 10 something. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't know that that's what the how the timeline wrap uh, came up. I know that the Snapchat was done uh, again as the coroner determined just minutes before they were murdered. Um, so you know, they had no idea that this was coming. Um, so the Snapchat videos are supposed to expire. Apparently, yeah, like you said, uh, Snapchat got involved and either through subpoenas or the court system or or, or somehow uh, they were able to pull the Snapchat video. And they may have pulled it off the phone itself, uh, for all I know, because I know that with our forensic tools, we, we can pull some of that stuff um, if it's not immediately deleted. Um, so even, even if it's being streamed to a third party and it's uh, supposedly a temporary it, the, you can well, pull it out of the cache or something like yeah, that? I, I was going to say, yeah, if it caches it, which I believe most of these uh, apps do, and you can retrieve that, that cached copy of it, then, yeah, it's retrievable. Okay. Okay. Um, but, again, that's very specific special circumstances. That's not, that's not a general uh, hard and fast rule. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that expires that, you know, forensics guys don't get their hands on. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so that basically proved that Alec Murdoch was not only at the kennels, he was in close proximity, close enough to be picked up by the microphone during the video, uh, uh, close proximity of his son and his wife uh, around these dogs. And, and the way I understand it, didn't they also match the voice prints, too? It wasn't just, hey, jury, listen, doesn't this voice sound like Alec? Right. They were actually able to extract sufficient amount to use it as like a, you know, an audio fingerprint and overlay and say this must have been Alec's voice, right? Um, that I'm not familiar with, if that came up. I know that they called many witnesses who were able to verify that it was his voice. I didn't know okay. that they actually did audio fingerprinting of it, though. If they did that, I, I thought I they had it. I thought they okay. had um, Do we know what he said? Um, yeah, it was very benign. What Son, he I'm coming to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> no, father. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was very benign. It was just him yelling about something, you know, the dogs or or or, or something along those lines. It, it was nothing. I think it was greetings. And it, it okay. was, you know, like, like, you know, what are you doing here? Or that kind of thing, you know. Okay. Um, but that was in direct contrast to Alec Murdoch's testimony or, or or statement to the police that he was not there. Well, now there's video evidence <laughs> that has your voice on it that says that you were there. So this guy has lied and lied and lied, and he does not realize that all this forensic evidence basically blows apart every lie that he's telling <laughs> about this. And Rofty, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about this is because it's a perfect example of how we get justice when everything is known and nothing is private. If that kid had not been Snapchatting at that moment, his alibi might have held more water. Yep. <laughs> so, and, oh, go ahead, Rafi. 
you, you of course know it's not about the justice thing why i'm against like being exposed and having everything revealed it's, it's just about the change in behavior okay. to the worse okay not to the better okay. <laughs> if the change in behavior is murderers know that we're looking over their shoulder i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah, but how many people are murderers like there is not like i think the, the price is too high in the u.s a lot <laughs> think of the deity <laughs> yeah, think of the children. <laughs> uh, how many murders have to exist before you, you really want to preserve the surprise party you're planning for your eight-year-old? That's not the issue. <laughs> but I think we could go. Right. We already anyway, had a couple of episodes anyway, about that. <laughs> I found it really cool that the kid just happened to be Snapchatting at that moment and was able to capture that one thing. That, yeah, yeah. Because cause they had a lot of other evidence. Uh, mm -hmm. And he tried to weasel his way out of so much shit. He claimed that his opioid addiction caused paranoia, which is why he initially lied to police when they were investigating, which, again, incredibly dumb alibi. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, there's probably a lot of addicts who are, you know, taking a lot of drugs or doing a lot of things, but what how can you logically or rationally draw a conclusion of i should lie to the police about the investigation into my family's murders you know it just it doesn't you can't get there from here you know well and i think that not a small part of it also is that this this man has lived a very rich and privileged life all of his life his family's name his last name is very well known in the county that he lives in and he's just always gotten away with stuff for for his entire life. Um, so yeah, why, I, I think that that's he was just born to lie because he was never told otherwise. Do um, we know? Well, he is a lawyer. Um, so, <laughs> uh, uh, do we know the motivation? Now, I've heard one claim. Do you do you, do you have any idea as to motive why he wanted to do this? Other than that, it was Wednesday. I you know. I, <laughs> Um, so apparently uh, he and his wife were in the preliminary stages of getting divorced. Okay. So that, that, that was possibly a factor. Um, I know that uh, the uh, the problems with the son's boat crash, uh, uh, may, maybe that led uh, to some other things that he didn't want to come to light. He was hiding a whole lot of financial crimes. That's the other thing is, yeah, I heard that his, his, um, wrongdoings with a bank that he'd embezzled some money in uh, were about to come to light, and he was kind yeah. of aware of that. I don't know how killing your family removes that culpability. <laughs> yeah, his his own law firm um, just a few days prior, I think, or, or maybe even the same day or, or one or two days prior, had, had fired him uh, huh. because of embezzlement, because he was huh. stealing money. So, wow. so his whole world was crashing down hard around him. And then this, happened. I do like the divorce thing though. Cause even lawyers don't want to pay divorce attorneys. <laughs> it's just easier to kill your spouse. That's just, you know? Yep. So Joey, you've been quiet. Have you uh, followed any of this, the story? Are you familiar with any of it? I'm familiar with it. I, I haven't followed it as intensely. Um, I saw I saw, you know, some of the headlines through the mornings on the news and such. Um, I don't like true crime. I, 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 I don't really enjoy, you know, those types of podcasts. So I, I, I it's nothing that I was like, oh, I'm really interested in this. I'm more interested in the, you know, the stories on the crypto and stuff. Right. So I live in my safe little bubble. However, however, 
I did hear a fascinating theory that he did not actually commit these murders. He was forced to watch them because he had gotten mixed up with a drug cartel. And it was almost like, uh, the what's the show? Um, Ozark. Ozarks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where where he had to, you know, kind of witness and watch this because he got into some trouble. I don't know the legitimacy on that, but I saw that on, on one of the one of the uh, uh, interweb comments. Leave it to Joey to bring in the completely oddball left field conspiracy theory. Conspiratorial. <laughs> yes. But there's yes, no evidence of at all. <laughs> and, and I love conspiracies as much as the next guy. Maybe not if the next guy's Joey, but I, I love me some tinfoil hat stuff. But, but I got to say, you know, when your entire defense hinges on, well, it happened to be that day at this remote location where it was my wife and my daughter and some, you know, oddball deranged killers happened to show up and assassinate them. There's too much coincidence going on there. There's just, you know, there's too much happenstance. Um, now, the the really creepy fucking thing that I understand is the bodies, and I don't know if it was the people, but the bodies were shot with two different firearms. Correct. So he at least, and I don't mean uh one gun was used to kill one person and another gun was used to kill another both bodies has been had been shot by at least two separate firearms meaning he at least had the presence of mind in orchestrating his murders that he wanted to create a supposition of multiple killers and therefore used two different guns to shoot them both probably one gun to kill each of them and another gun to add uh, fake evidence, which to me, you know, all his other stupid mistakes involved in this thing, this shows some real despicable level of evil. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a guy who knew that he was going to have to create some artifice to get out of it, and that's just that's that's ugh, that's insidious. Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, Rafi. Have the murder weapons been found? They have not, but they have, through ballistics evidence, determined that one of them was a shotgun and the other was an AR-style uh, uh, rifle. So and he had, like, uh, presumably, like, if he was hunting, a shotgun probably was in his, like, arsenal. But, like, the AR-style, is this something that he owned as well? Yes. It, it's the South. Everybody the has one. Right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. AR, <laughs> if I remember right. <laughs> What's yeah. <that>? yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's not uncommon for those, but uh, but yeah, they uh, and it, Ben, you may know this better than I do uh, because I'm not big on ballistics. But it was like it was called like a black something rifle, black or, or, black or powder. No, 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 not black powder. It was oh hell, it was it, I, I can't remember. It was called like a the the round that the AR was shooting. Oh, black talon. A black um, talon round. Maybe yeah, it was something along those lines. But yeah, black very, talon. A black talon is a. Um, uh, it's a mushrooming tip round. It's it's really kind of nasty. Um, it it fragments uh, in flight and on contact, so that the impact wound is larger and more messy. Um, you know, you, you can justify it in hunting as uh, I don't want to just wound the animal and have it run off in in pain. I want to bring it down. Mm -hmm. So I guess you know, have it bleed out quickly. Um, uh, for for a few years in the late 80s, early 90s, um, 
there was a big effort to have them taken off the market. They were called cop killer bullets. Uh, a lot of them have Teflon coating and they do make some pretty ugly mushrooming rounds. Dumb, dumb rounds are famously um, illegal under the Geneva Convention. You can't use them in warfare. Um, wasn't that a uh, wasn't that a plot twist in Lethal Weapon Three? Three, correct. Yes, the yeah. Teflon coated rounds that go through uh, a bulletproof vest. But <laughs> if you wear two vests in the Lethal Weapon world, <laughs> the bullet magically knows it can penetrate one but not the other. So, um, but yeah, Rocky. To your point, um, both of the weapons were uh, consistent with weapons that the uh, that Alec Murdoch owned already and was known to own uh, along with many other weapons but those two weapons have never been recovered so even though he owned them uh he he made them disappear apparently somehow well you know and and even if they'd recovered the shotgun unless he was using solid slug or something like that you can't really do ballistic matching on a shotgun anyway um but the ar they certainly could have yeah that yeah uh, yeah. yeah So, so that's the, the, the gist of it. And of course, uh, like I said, the, 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 the trial just wrapped up. Um, this actually, uh, I, I thought it was a pretty quick trial because this occurred, the murders occurred uh, June 7th, 2021. And by March, uh, whatever uh, I said, you know, first week of March, 2023, he's, he's in, you know, in prison, he's, he's convicted and sentenced. So less than two years from murder to uh, uh, being, being incarcerated. Um. So, but the I think that the big the big thing with the the infosec aspect of it is, as Ben had mentioned, was the the cell phone forensics, which is something that's near and dear to my heart. But um, I think a lot of people, all of a sudden through this this trial, have realized, oh wow, this little supercomputer I carry in my pocket, it actually <laughs> betrays a lot of the things that I do. If, if only somebody is looking for uh, the data. I've got a portable sure. snitch. Yeah, right. So through cell tower pings, uh, GPS coordinates, you know, text messages, phone calls, everything. And like you said, Ben, uh, the, car, the car as well, although I don't, uh, as, as far as I understand, no one did any forensics on the car itself. Uh, but I'm sure that the car would have that kind of information as well. But that uh, a whole lot of the case hinged on the importance of these forensics and, and, and the, these forensics being done properly and um, uh, uh, comprehensively. So. That was that, that. That's about all that that, that I had on it. <laughs> was there any part of it that you found surprising, even with your knowledge of the digital forensics? Anything that you said, "Oh, wow, I didn't think of them doing this," or "I'm glad to see that made that into trial"? Or no, no, everything that they that that, that I've seen on the trial itself, uh, and I've watched some of the YouTube videos. If you go onto YouTube, there's you know the entire trial is basically uh, available for public consumption. But no, nothing was unusual or or out of the ordinary or or was any kind of trickery or any kind of unusual interpretation. It was all very straightforward. Here's the cell phone. Here's all the GPS coordinates. Here's all the cell tower pings. Everything lines up with exactly what their uh, the prosecution was saying, which is yeah, this guy. He went. He left, but he came back, and his cell phone was pinging, and and all the um, all the forensic evidence showed that exactly you know what they said that he was doing. So even if Joey is correct and he was being made to watch the execution of his wife and son, <laughs> he was actually there, uh, and that that is not in dispute. So it's all very straightforward type stuff. Um, and and you would have think he would have led with that if that if if his crazy defense was some murderers wandered onto my property and killed my wife and son, 
you would have thought that, you know, had he been forced to do so, that would have been at the top of the list. But, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and the way I understand it, he's in a uh, temporary holding facility right now for 45 days since right. the end of the, the trial, where they determine which maximum security facility to send him to. Um, yeah. 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 And he's never getting out. No chance of parole, two consecutive life sentences, like I think you said. Um, and if you are interested, this is a compelling case. It's actually, you know, even as true crime goes, this is a really, really interesting case. Just all the little details and, and small town stuff that, that happened with it. Um, there is a Netflix documentary. There's an HBO documentary. There's an investigation discovery channel documentary. Um, there's a dedicated podcast to it. <laughs> called Murdoch Murders, Murdoch Murders. <laughs> that started in 2021, um, where everybody just kind of goes through all the stuff. And in addition, like I said, YouTube, you can, you can see all kinds of stuff. I mean, this guy, if you type YouTube, uh, uh, Alec Murdoch into YouTube, you, the, the algorithm will all of a sudden show you a hundred thousand videos about this thing, you know, analysis by lawyers, you know, news reports. Do they have one where they auto tune him into a, a pop song? <laughs> I don't. I haven't heard that, but uh, I wouldn't okay. be surprised. All right. Mm. So, um, uh, is this a good example of why technology is beneficial? And we'll set aside the privacy thing for a moment. But um, is the fact that Maggie and Paul had their electronics with them, and Alec brought his electronic? And that led us to the proper conclusion. Is that a good thing? Is that a useful thing? I think, yeah, resoundingly. I think yes. 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 Uh, Rafi, In my opinion. Rafi, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just thinking, you know, um, in that regard, like, would you expect him to kill again? Just out of curiosity. I, I'm not saying like because you're going for this like like he, he had a like he has murder. a purpose he has a purpose to kill the wife and son yeah. would he ever do it ever again yeah and, and I, of I, course like I, I I'm all for getting justice to those people and I'm all for from getting them off the street and and uh, but it does not bring the two the two back and I don't see that he's a serial killer killer and getting like uh, maybe murder in the future again and so I'm like. Um, because you were like, shall we increase the surveillance? Shall we increase stuff like that and uh, to to uh, catch the next time? And I guess in your case, hopefully before they can actually murder somebody. So minority report situation here where you can. Catch... I'm, not seeing, exactly. I'm not seeing it so much like that. I'm seeing it more as a deterrent. And I'm also not calling for surveillance. I'm not calling for a third party to monitor. <laughs> I'm not calling for a third party to monitor our um okay awareness our, our location or our presence or our activities what i'm saying is for a personal defense standpoint if you're walking around with a camera on you saying if you mug me your face will be on all the snapchats you know th this is a good deterrent for individual protection not so much um you know the thought crime predictive stuff and, and on to go just just a step further maybe he only intended to kill these two people and would never kill anyone ever again setting aside the fact that these two people had a right to their long lives just as much as anybody else let's say he did get away with it and he is fucked in the head and his life is crumbling what would the inclination be in the future for if he had gotten away with this 
might he find this a viable alternative to handling his interpersonal problems in the future? <laughs> and I think we've seen this particularly with wife killers. Um, I forget the name of the guy in California who um, the the wife, did she go missing in the ocean or something? Or that was the claim? Oh, uh, Lacey and Peterson. That one. That's exactly yeah. the guy. It's, it's Steve Peterson, right? Was the name of the. Oh, no. Uh, oh, gosh. I can't remember. It wasn't Steve, but it was something common. Um, yeah. Scott, Scott, Scott Peterson. Yes. yes Scott Peterson. That. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, the, I think it happened to the first wife and then the second wife also went missing. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, you know, maybe one person gets to have a missing spouse. One person does not get to have two missing spouses. That's not a thing, <laughs> right? That's just a statistical impossibility. Um, I agree, but maybe then to just add, like, because you said, like, is technology the reason for it? And of course, it, it, like, some technology, like, is involved there, but, like, I as a kid already learned, like, um, uh, to sort of like call somebody bad. when i'm no yeah of course but like when i'm when i'm on public transport um if i'm on my way home and it's getting late or something i i call somebody or at least i pretend calling to someone you know um and so i think like you don't need snapchat or you don't need a social media platform you just need to call somebody you trust or um and that's it that's important like this is already for the deterrent what you're talking about this could already be enough you know you don't need uh social media or snapchat or something for that you know we, we had that when i was a kid too at landlines when you get to where you're going make a call so we know you got there right and yeah. then uh, with the with the presumption being if you don't call in 90 minutes or two hours or three hours, your parents are going to follow up and find out, hey, my kid didn't get to where they are. And 99% of the time, the kid forgot to call when they arrived. But, but in terms of deterrent, I don't think it really prevented anyone from snatching kids. Yeah, when, you, when you're not in the moment on the call, but if you're walking around with your like phone on, on your ear, you know, I think that's a deterrent. I think it is. I think it is. And okay. because that's a real time effect as opposed exactly. to trying to establish the timeline of when the kid disappeared. Um, <laughs> so I, that's why I think the advance of the technology is getting more exacting. And I think as cases like this bring it into prominence, <clears throat> hopefully people who would consider snatching a kid or killing their spouse um, are going to realize, you know, uh, because that person is being monitored by themselves. 24 seven, it's going to be much harder to get away with this. Hopefully that will act as a deterrent. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, we've seen a couple other cases of domestic abuse. There was a football player who was beating his girlfriend and there was um, some, uh, I, I don't know if it was one of their nanny cams or someone else in the home was recording it. Um, but that player got some uh, sanctions both from the league and from law enforcement and the courts uh, because that recording existed. He, you know, no one could ever claim she fell down the stairs. You know, that that's a, that's not a thing anymore. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I, I love that Rafi's eyes go wide every time we talk about this, this stuff that we consider common in the United States, like <laughs> football players beating wives and, and lawyers killing their, <laughs> their, their kids. <laughs> Rafi's just staring yeah, at the know. camera going, what? Yeah, 
Absolutely. No, um, I talked with somebody recently about like um, un keeping your door unlocked and stuff like that. I used to leave my my like wallet in my car open for everybody to see, you know, <laughs> never got my window broken or something. Another another interesting news bit that happened here last week, Rafty. There was a um, major uh, network news crew. I think it was a CNN news crew who was doing a story in downtown San Francisco. And because of what downtown San Francisco has become, they actually hired uh, a private security to watch over their belongings in their car and themselves as they were engaged in the story. And while security had their back turned for five seconds, somebody smashed out the back window of the rental car, ripped off a whole bunch of their filming equipment and made off with it. <laughs> Now, there was something ironic about the topic of the story, and I forget exactly what it was. It was either about theft or something, you know, some crime in, in San Francisco, but it was just the icing on the cake. And and this has become commonplace in major American cities. Um, in Illinois, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Illinois. That's where Chicago is, Rafty. Um, the theft of transmissions has become common. Because of the platinum inside the transmissions. Oh, no, no you're I think the you're... catalytic converters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. The transmissions. That's a big undertaking to get that off. Yes, yes. That's a, that's a, a, a sawzall, yeah. you can get that off. Yeah. 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 Um, no, and I saw that some people are building cages for them and stuff. And I'm like, oh, gosh, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> and, and there was a car, you know, there are no catalysts on electric cars. <laughs> there was a guy. Oh, yeah, but there's cobalt in the batteries, and you know that shit's going to be precious here pretty <laughs> shortly, and that's going to be a high theft item. There was a guy in Chicago who got caught stealing one out of a postal truck, a, po a post office vehicle. He was charged and released pending trial. And right after he was released, he got arrested trying to steal another one from another postal vehicle. Wow. This has become, I mean, it's almost a spectator sport at this point. Um, and it's its really quite ridiculous. I, I you know, I used to kind of brush off my European colleagues who painted our uh, country to be a post-apocalyptic hellscape of Mad Max and other Australian fun. And uh, now I kind of have to, I kind of have to say, yeah, you're you're kind of right. Your 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 uh, assessment of our civilization is accurate. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, but in reply to you know, Rafi used the word surveillance earlier, um, and, <laughs> and whether this was was good or bad, um, I think that this case in particular points out that just because our cell phones are always recording and broadcasting data doesn't, I, I wouldn't necessarily term that as surveillance. Which I think Ben kind of alluded to as well, because it's only it's it's not uh, recording us all the time in terms of video and audio, although mining. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the, the data is is only there if you look for it, and and even mm. then it's only under specific circumstances that you actually get uh, a cell phone or a computer or something like that to do the forensics and pull that data off. But most of the time, that data is not there. 
or, or not. And that's why, you know, I say it's self-protection. There's no third party mm -hmm. surveilling us. We, we are storing our own black boxes. We have our own tel telemetric data. We have our own recordings that we've created. And then in those unusual circumstances, the black box becomes the thing that either protects us or brings us vengeance and justice. Yep. And of course, like the reason why I went to surveillance, I, I think it's good that you clarify it. But of course, like um, with the book exposed from from Ben, I'm like, I'm already going there where he's like, everybody knows everything about every or could look up everything about everybody and stuff like that. And this would be surveillance. Of course, like you looking it up would be known as well. So there's this. Yeah, it, it's an interesting <laughs> thought experiment. But yeah, I, I just don't like it. <laughs> no, I, I understand. And, and, and I, and I kind I kind of think of this as surveillance has a, a very bad connotation because it always suggests someone who's watching you that you cannot watch. And that's the disproportionality that I don't like. And that's what the book was about. If yeah. everyone can watch everyone else, is it surveillance or is it just staring out your window? Except now your window can see in everybody else's windows. I, I don't know. I don't want to live in that world, but I see that's the way we're going, and I'm not so sure it'll be bad. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sure it's bad. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think that the, the main takeaway from this is, uh, A, don't do drugs, especially opioids, because they, uh, <laughs> they make you do stupid things. But B, if you're going to uh, or are planning on committing a crime, and I'm not advocating for that, uh, either don't bring your phone with you or go get a Faraday bag. If you've never heard of a Faraday bag, it's a mesh bag, a wire mesh. Uh, you can stick your phone in it, and then your phone loses all of its communications. We use them all the time in forensics to try to keep uh, phones that are in evidence from phoning home and perhaps uh, getting triggered to self-destruct or detonate uh, a payload of some sort. Um, get a Faraday bag, stick it in there. My wife saw my Faraday bag and her, uh, uh, the first question she had was, are you cheating on me? Because she thought that I was. <laughs> they I hand them out at security conferences before you go into briefings. Now they give you a Faraday bag. There's disposable yeah. ones. I mean, they're yeah. dirt yeah. cheap. Yeah. Just, just one clarification there. You should turn off your phone or at least turn off the radio as well, because otherwise, uh, the, the, like it ramps up and tries to connect if it loses the connection and it drains your battery faster. Um, so if it's, yeah, in other words, if you put a phone in a Faraday bag, it's trying so hard to connect to a cell tower that it runs its battery down faster. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. Ooh, and that's and of now we have to bad ask. for the phone and bad for the battery. Hmm? Now we have to ask Matt in the most recent Terminator movie starring an Australian from Rafti's home nation. Um, uh, she puts the bag or she puts the phone in a Cheetos bag, you know, one of the small metallic mm. line. Yeah. Uh, chip bag. Would that work as a Faraday shield? No, I no. didn't think so. It, it's it, it does thin, not. Isn't it, it? Yeah. It's too thin, but also the, the main thing you want from a Faraday bag is the mesh. So you want to have that interlaced uh, web of wires essentially, or, or, or foil or something like that, because that mesh is what actually prevents the, um, the signal from traveling through it. And if it's a solid sheet of foil or something, it'll have some reflective properties, but it's not nearly as comprehensive as a true Faraday bag. And in fact, we, uh, uh, the, the bags that I have actually came with an app that you could download that would show you that it was no longer able to communicate once it was put inside the Faraday bag because it, uh, it, it showed its, its relative strengths of all that stuff. Because like the ones that we use, 
you actually, once you put a device inside of it, you can't even just like Velcro the top of it over. You have to turn it three times. Uh, in other words, fold the, the top of the bag three times on itself to, to fully cut off the uh, the cell signal through the seam that the phone itself was put into. So you have to be very, very cautious about um, the application of something like that to, to, to truly block all the signal. Because if any little signal gets leaked through it, then, you know, the phone's back on the network. Or just carry around a, a lead line cinder block and, and put your your phone inside that every time you want to uh, <laughs> go cheat on Matt's wife. Um, <laughs> Joey, Joey went and looked it up on Amazon. There's a wide selection of Faraday bags available to consumers. Um, please don't use those for murdering your family. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to say it here. Does not advocate. <laughs> you beat me. That was the next line coming out of my mouth. Sorry, that's not funny. No, no, that's okay. I feel, I feel like now, uh, you know, we we all we all agree. We can we can feel comfortable speaking for each other in in as far as our anti murder stance goes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Faraday bags actually have usefulness beyond uh, murdering people. <laughs> we'll have that. And yeah, I think Joey, uh, uh, the the link was also for it. You can get Faraday bags big enough for laptops and other devices as well. So basically, anything that that communicates with the radio, not just a small cell phone, but a bigger laptop as well. That would have Young Bluetooth. children. You can you can have bags yeah, that are I'm sure that there are <laughs> if your if your child is Wi-Fi enabled, then yes, put your child in a Faraday bag that's that's large enough that you can uh, have adequate air supply and food. <laughs> Just want to stifle transmissions from the child, including audio. <laughs> All right. Um, does anyone have anything else they want to announce or touch on before we wrap this one up in a Faraday bag? <laughs> if there's any Faraday bag vendors out there that want to advertise with us, get in touch <laughs> with us. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a and that's a good lead-in. Matt had a great idea. Um, uh, anyone who's interested in having a shout out on the show, we are prostituting ourselves. If you contribute twenty-five dollars or more, or I think eight euros uh, through buy me a coffee. And give us your name or the name of someone you like or don't like. We will call them out on the show. Um, <laughs> and if you contribute $100 or I think 13 euros or more, uh, you can actually determine what style will record a promo for the show uh, uh, of your choice as well. Um, understanding that our accents are highly limited um, to... <laughs> They, they they run the gamut from yokel to midwestern twang to uh cuddly australian so <laughs> i'm sure rafi could do a uh, arnold schwarzenegger impression pretty well <laughs> oh and rafi you have an announcement you want to make don't you i i have a small announcement yeah yeah no um uh, actually saving um is for the first time uh we're fully founder owned as a company um and we have been approached by a couple of like vcs already because as you know like we've been the fa fourth fastest growing project on github and we're raising money we're like um doing our seed round um and we're taking on an investor so because if you're interested reach out Go Hello, to buy me a coffee, contribute $17, and you can own 20% of safety. No, no, no. No, no. No, no. But more than $17? It, 
Oh, so much. But if you're interested, <laughs> of course, um, uh, reach out. We're interested. I'm talking to people from all over the U.S. already. Um, and it's open till end of April. So we will close around end of April. Get in touch. Outstanding. Congratulations. Good luck, Rafti. We really want to see Thank you succeed. You. Yeah. Um, Rafti needs a private jet. So get the, so investors line up. <laughs> he's, he's looking for that vacation home in Monaco. <laughs> Which he will invite all of us to. Right. <laughs> and which is not too far away, you know, from Austria. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it because they're all in Europe. Isn't everybody in Europe just next door? You can just like, up across the street and borrow some sugar from Liechtenstein. <laughs> no, almost. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, a, a short drive away. <laughs> okay. And, and final uh, self promotion here. Uh, there is a wannabe a CCSP class coming up at the end of April or mid April. Um, go ahead. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, register, join in. Um, if you purchase uh, or register for the wanna practice study app, you get 25% off the live wannabe a CCSP prep class taught by me. So um, it's kind of like a giant podcast for 20 hours with the same bad jokes. Deal with it. But it's all, all bad. Right. <laughs> you don't have us breaking Until... up the, uh, the, the conversation. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. I'm Joey Police. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener, Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to Ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com. And listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. 
No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.